Hello, and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today, I am joined by Wayne Thornley. Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so in, in South Africa, I've had a, a fairly long career, probably about a, just over a decade of working in animation, um, developing uh, feature films, developing TV shows. I co-wrote and directed a film called Zambezia um, a few years back, which is still South Africa's biggest animation export ever wow. <laughs> for what that's worth. Um, and I was part of some of the bigger projects in the country for the for, for yeah the last decade or so, and kind of got in on the ground floor of what was happening here and and learned as I went. And now I'm developing a lot of my own projects and starting to help other people with their projects and their um, IP development. Most people jump in on the development side without much thought about the strategy, which is where where your um, teaching came in and really blew my mind <laughs> is mm -hmm. that I was faced with this um, increasingly complex uh, quit, um, scenarios from clients about how to help them in this in the space of, you know, it's really a long, long journey of, of, first of all, having an idea, a story you want to tell, but then wrapping that in a strategy that actually um, gives it a chance of being seen and making a return on the investment. And so there's a lot of moving parts over a long period of time. And so when someone wants your, wants your help and they've never done it before, it can be tricky to almost decide even where you're going to jump in and for how long. Mm, okay, great. So where you mentioned that people reaching out to you with increasingly complex requests, how are they attracted to you? Are you well known? Do you have like a, do you have a podcast or a blog or something and people are, or is it just all word of mouth? It's word of mouth. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm well known within the industry here. Um, and it's been, but it's word of mouth as in somebody says, Oh, well, a bit of context. I think, um, one of the, one of the moving factors in the in the market has been the pandemic. Mm. And so in this particular instance, I've had the spate of people contacting me who've heard about me. Once they start interfacing with people in the in the animation industry, they say, Oh, you should talk to Wayne. And um, it's it's little studios who are doing something else often, you know, like doing audio post or um, doing live action that have really been hit hard by the pandemic. And they start thinking, oh, this, this animation lock seems like it's <laughs> a good way mm -hmm. to keep working. Oh, um, right. And so they come to me with a story idea and they're like, can you help us write it? You know, and at that point, what they don't realize is what a complex thing they're asking me to do if I'm being honest with them. And not mm -hmm. just being, and not just going to take their money. Um, mm -hmm. If you know what I mean, it's like I could oh, take yeah. their money and do the work, and I know for a fact that that project will sit on a shelf. <laughs> um, as soon as I start talking to them about what they're wanting to do, and this is where I was, where I found your approach so concise and helpful. As soon as I start asking questions about like why this and why now, mm -hmm. then what they're actually asking for is will you help me build an animation content creation production distribution business <laughs> <laughs> Wow! <laughs> off the back of this little story idea we have and then it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah you pull that thread and all of a sudden boom yeah exactly exactly and that's okay. what prompted me to email you mm -hmm. with my very long stream of consciousness email <laughs> mm, right 
<laughs> okay, so so let me say that back to you to make sure I understand it. I think I yeah. get it. But you've got these studios who, let's just say they do live action and there's just not mm-hmm. live action production happening right now or it's, the business is down. And so they think, huh, maybe I, maybe I'd be more, it'd be more sustainable business um, or, you know, or at least to do something in the near term. Animation doesn't require everybody to be in the same room. So maybe we mm-hmm. should... Maybe we should start to build some capabilities there. Mm, Is that exactly. kind of like a fair retelling? Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. And you mentioned in the email, I don't I, I don't know if you mentioned it on the call, but it, you mentioned in the email that you uh, are in the animation content creation space, usually developing my own IP. Can you give folks an idea of what you mean by developing your IP? Are we talking about art or systems or what? Right. So in animation, the IP would be a, a TV show concept where you've developed the characters, you've developed the worlds, and you've developed a kind of pattern for what the episodes would be. You've probably written a pilot episode. You've, um, if you're an artist, you've developed the art and worked with a writer. If you're a writer, you've you know written it all out and worked with an artist. There's some amazing geniuses who do all of it. Wow. Um, and then you've basically got what we call a pitch bible, which is this a document that you can take to a market a festival and talk to producers, talk to potential decision makers at broadcasters and say, well, this is the concept for the show. Um, here are my credentials. Here's what I think you could even go into what it might cost. And, you know, and well, this is how I would get it made. I'm looking for partners to, to make this thing. Mm. And if they trust okay. you as a creator and they, um, then they may buy the concept lock, stock, and barrel, and just sort of take it over and 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 take it on in in house, as mm-hmm. some of the bigger bigger distributors like E1 might do. Um, otherwise, you can find smaller partners to partner up with you, and you draw down some government money on your side, and they take some government money on their side, and you try and get the thing made. Mm-hmm. But when I say content creation or IP development, it is that initial phase of of taking that kernel of an idea and turning it into a proof of concept that someone with money or a decision maker could go, oh, I can see that show, or I could see that film, and now I can see how I might you know, take a path to actually getting it made. Hmm. And that in itself is a long process that you know, takes some skill and experience. The, the Creating the pitch bible itself. Yeah, actually like developing a show, because once you've got a show well-developed, and this actually happens in live action too, once a show is really well-developed, you could you should be able to almost hand that over to, and it does happen to other producers and writers and, and directors because they now everything's defined. The characters are defined. The story pattern is defined. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see this in live action too, where, you know, a big name, I don't know, like David Fincher developed um, house of cards for um, Netflix, but later on he didn't direct anything or write anything after that. He just mm-hmm. set the whole thing up, you know, and got the ball rolling. Right. Um, and that's the kind of development side of it. Okay, so so it sounds kind of like it's like a combination of um, of a screenplay and a pitch deck and a business plan all wrapped together. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit like that. It's a little bit of you should. I mean, this is the part that people don't have really is that there should be a strategy to go along with it, and and you should know who you're pitching to, and that's mm-hmm. where I come in and um, try and help, or or at least I've, I've found myself doing that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, mm-hmm. I've found myself in that position where people have come to me because I'm a writer and a director and and then I've said but why are you even doing a feature film you know what are you and then we have you know you've you've pulled the string on the on the yeah <laughs> and it just starts unraveling from there and then 
I um, I started to offer learning from you. I started to offer. Well, I said, well, what about an advisory retainer? What about you? I, I come in and help you at the strategic level. Mm-hmm. And I think what my initial my initial request I won't request my initial um, email to you was about the fact that I was wrestling with where do I even begin because some of it is totally just advice it's just you know it's I, I totally get the advisory aspect of it and some of it is there are aspects of a pitch bible where if your strategy is in place and you've got the budget and all that stuff then absolutely you can throw down a, a bunch of cash a set amount and I can deliver you a pitch bible I will write mm-hmm. the pilot or get it written I will do the artwork get the artwork written and manage a team do the whole thing mm-hmm. and deliver you a kind of polished version of your kernel of an idea but if you're still working on your strategy, that comes much further down the line. And often these producers will have the idea that they want to pitch Bible in a month or two and they have a set budget in mind. Um, and so it's been, that's been an interesting thing where I was going, how do I, how do I help them in such an open-ended situation where they came to me expecting to get a fixed price for something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And actually, I mean, just, just as a as a, a sidebar, one of the I was so I've been approached by three clients who all did exactly the same thing. They came to me going, "Will you write us a show, a feature film, whatever it was?" Mm-hmm. Um, in the one case, I I did a I just accidentally kind of asked those questions. You know, why now? <laughs> why this? <laughs> and right. by the end of the call, the, stu- the, the 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 potential client was like, "Oh, you're totally right. I don't want to do this at all." <laughs> I actually. <laughs> This is this is not. I, I thought this was the solution to my problem, but um, now you've told me what my real problem is, or helped me see it. I can see a totally different solution, and they went off very happy without me earning a cent. But I was very happy too for for having um, gone through that process. Oh yeah. The, the yeah. second the second client came and did exactly the same thing. Said, "I've got the story. Um, I've actually even hired a writer." And can you just help me get the art, you know, hire some artists and, and do all the artwork for it and get this thing. And when I started saying, but why, what's the strategy? What are we aiming for? What's our age group? You know, what kind of platforms do you want this on? Then it started unraveling from there. And I said, okay, well, what about a, what about a step-by-step process? And I think while I was wrestling with that, that's when I emailed you. And, and, but interestingly enough, that client has, has since hired me on a retainer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still, there's still this, um, and, and another client has come and I'm actually doing another <laughs> proposal based on your template, same uh-huh. exact same thing of like, we've got this feature film, will you write it for us? And I'm like, first of all, you can't afford me. Second of all, why are you doing a feature film? And third of all, do you rather want to just put me on a retainer? <laughs> 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 and um, so on the second one that's actually hired me, it, it's, I guess my, my point of interest was, this could turn into a sort of my, my one my one nervousness is that it turns into a bit of an open ended relationship, which if they're fine with is fantastic. But mm-hmm. where where there I'm I'm basically trying to get them to lock down their outcomes and to get lock down what they're trying to achieve, what this show needs to achieve in order for them to feel like it's a success. Right. They just at the moment they just want to do a show. They just want to have a successful show and, and I'm still working through but why and what does it need to do or you just because you can just sell a show and it can someone else can make it and and then you can say that's a success and it is a success or Mm -hmm. is it that you're wanting to build the technical capacity to you know make the show yourself and therefore become a studio that can actually like uh 
produce other people's shows. Um, yeah, like what and, a huge uh, difference that would be, right? Like exactly. you make so many different decisions. Such different things, but that all comes. So now in three different cases, those have all come bundled together. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a journey to unpack that. Sure. Um, and and almost when somebody's come to you with one thing and you're sort of trying to talk them into the other thing, that's been an interesting journey. And I guess I wanted to talk to you more about the the ways to navigate one minute being a kind of just a high-level advisor, the next minute being quite into the nitty-gritty of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the work you would have been doing if you'd done the fixed-price option, if you just take on the job you're almost starting to um i mean at this stage i'm not but i could get into even writing and and like really and i'm working with their writer giving quite detailed notes on what to do next mm-hmm. um, and then the next minute i'm talking strategy yeah i see um, basically doing everything yeah and that's the that's the part where I'm, i mean i'm having a lot of fun because it's all it's all new but i also have this nervousness around what am i getting myself into um and am i is there is there a sort of dead end i'm approaching where i suddenly have a very unhappy client or um do you know what i'm saying i feel like yeah yeah no yeah that's okay so let's let's unpack a couple of things there so what you're describing is there there i call it uh, altitude of involvement that you can have with a consulting client yes you know someone you're helping so at, at the highest level there's a what I would call strategy. It could also be design or planning. It's this, you know, like long-term vision, setting a new vision. Um, It's, it's the architecture phase. It's where you, you, someone comes to you and they said, we need a new house. Can you draw plans for it or help us, help us, you know, talk to us, make sure our needs are going to be met and create the whole thing on paper. And then we'll take it to the next phase. Maybe you do this, maybe you don't, but someone then needs to build it. And that's the implementation phase or the execution phase or the building phase. And that is a load of work. It's usually a lot, a lot of work, but it's not as mm. high value as the strategy or the architecture. Mm. Mm. So the, mm. the blueprint usually doesn't take that long compared to the building of the house. Sure. So, yeah. you know, if you, you could be, depending on what you're trying to build in your model, let's just say it's like completely building out like a, a pitch Bible for a 13 part series with mm. like everything mapped out. You know, and maybe, or maybe even the, the actual creation of the stuff and be like delivering the show, like here's a done Mm. show. Mm. So there's all Mm. that work, that handwork that, um, that you could, you could imagine Mm. the, an architect being like, yep, here are your blueprints. Now, if you want me to build it, I'll go get my tool belt and put on my tool belt and start pounding nails. And it's a weird disconnect. It, it, um, it's a little, it's, yeah, I don't want to say the word dangerous, but if you're going to do both of those things, you need to be a little bit careful about how people come in contact with you initially, because if they come to you to pound nails, but you really want to be an architect and make blueprints, yeah. then it's, it's tough to get out of that friend zone and, and increase mm. your altitude from like being known as someone who pounds nails instead of someone who creates amazing blueprints that save the day. Yeah. Yeah. So from yeah, a marketing exactly, standpoint, exactly. Mm. no, no, I, I feel that like at a gut level, I'm kind of feeling that anxiety mm-hmm. <laughs> around that the client came to me for one reason. And now we're engaged in a relationship that's gone in a different direction. And it's like, yeah. I'm yeah. sort of nervous. Are they still happy with that? You know? Right. Um, right. So here's the, I, I think, I don't want to say it's a trick, but the, the important thing to do in those initial conversations, they come to you and they say, Hey, we want you to build a house. Like, 
can you, yeah. can you just like pound a bunch of nails and like build us a house? Yeah. And you say, yeah, I can. That'd be, that's totally in my wheelhouse. Um, what do you want it to look like? Mm. Where's, where's the blueprint? And they're going to say, uh, blueprint, what blueprint? Mm. You don't have a blueprint. Well, if yeah. I, I could build you a house with no blueprint, but it's probably going to be pretty wonky and leak and the plumbing is going to be in the wrong place and it will be situated on the lot improperly. Like it, it's just going to grow organically from room to room to room and it's not going to be cohesive. It's probably not going to be satisfying, but if that really is, you, maybe you've got some weird situation where you really just need it. It's going to be short term. You're only going to live in it for three months or something like that before you go somewhere else. Right. And you don't want to invest all the money to air quotes, do it right. Yeah. There can be scenarios where it makes sense to, you know, kind of like prototype a house and just kind of hack and slash. And that's good enough. You know, it's like, it's like right. I always tell the story about my my, uh, I used to have this really, you know, when I was a musician, when I was in my twenties, I had this really broken down piece of junk car and I would take it into the, the, I had this great mechanic who understood that it made no sense for me to spend 500 bucks on a new transmission or whatever, <laughs> you know? So he would just patch stuff and put band-aids on it and be like, well, how many, how many more months do you think you want to get out of this car? And I'd say six and he'd say, okay, I can do that. And you know, so sometimes you don't need best practices and the brand new transmission and like a gorgeous blueprint for a mansion before you start mm. getting to work, but usually you do. Mm. Mm. So what's sure. happening here is these people are coming along and they're like, I want you to build me a house. And you say, okay, where's the blueprint? And they're like, we don't have one. And you're like, well, I'm not going to build you something that has no blueprint. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. So let's talk yeah. about the blueprint and the, the fear that you're sensing about them spending a lot of money with you and then getting to the end of their budget or the end of the engagement and being, well, well, wait a second. Like this isn't what we asked Wayne to do. Yeah, exactly. So you, you really need to get enrollment from them in the sales process. And so, yeah. you know, find out, you know, do you want me to just pass patch this junker of an idea mm. or, and, or do you want to do this right? Like, what are you trying to achieve here? Which you did yeah. do, but yeah. you want to make sure that you're not convincing them. You want to make sure that it's them uncover like realizing this mm -hmm. through your questioning mm -hmm. that they realize that they you probably just saved them from blowing their foot off and yeah, that yeah yeah so that getting that enrollment and then being super clear and, and let's say they do enroll enroll mentally in this concept of like okay mm -hmm. wayne's gonna do a blueprint for us we're gonna have strategic engagement he's gonna ask us a bunch of questions about goals and why this or why that and we're gonna come mm -hmm. up with this this objective and a strategy to accomplish the objective. And if they're bought in on that, and then you are convinced that they are bought in on that and you make you know, clear success metrics for that piece, then it's easy to, at the end to say, well, okay, you know, here we, we, you came to me for X, uh, you ended up realizing that you needed to buy Y. So here's why here were the, the success metrics for, for why for the strategy for the blueprint at the mm -hmm. end you were going to have some you're going to have you know maybe it's a pitch bible maybe that maybe or maybe it's the plan for the pitch bible it's almost like a blueprint of a blueprint i'm not exactly sure how far to go down the rabbit hole here <laughs> i think it's more like the strategy for how you plan to sell the thing and who the audience is and who might actually buy it which which affects you know yeah just the business you... plan piece right yeah like you're what are you why are you making this product why are you even planning to make this product you know mm -hmm. That affects what you're going to do. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're you're trying to build a, um, you know, you're like, oh, I've got this vision for a house that I want to build, you know, but you don't even own the land, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. yet, <laughs> or 
<laughs> or the uh, you know you want to make it out of wood and there's no wood around here everyone does it in brick here you know like those mm-hmm. kinds of things where um you're starting to go way up the line of like and then and then who's going to visit this house you know mm-hmm. um well, who's it for uh well maybe some kids you know <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> well, okay <laughs> yeah maybe we should put handrails on the staircase then you know and those kind of things but um yeah i, I mean i hear what you're saying though that's gold because it's i think that process you're describing of that enrollment in the kind of new road i think i got that but i think the complicating factor is that in the one client's case and probably in in a and i, I suspect in other clients is because they're still invested in getting the blueprint done. They kind of want me to do both at the same time. They want me to help. And it is actually what I've, I've agreed to is to help with the strategy. And in parallel, although I'm trying to slow that down, is to actually they're, they're help working on, work with their writer on a story. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like the sto- I'm sort of trying to slow that down as much as possible so that as the strategy becomes clearer, we can go faster on developing the story to fit that strategy in that business plan because if you're planning to make a show that you're going to do yourself and put on youtube that's a totally different strategy to if you're trying to package a very glossy thing for a nickelodeon or a cartoon network or Mm -hmm. or that kind of thing right right yeah it's going to change things so you could end up throwing away i mean the the risk that you have there and as long as they're aware of this then it's okay like it's i see that in software projects too it's like we need to start building like we're yeah yeah high pressure and it's like well okay but if we don't decide what we're trying to build first we're probably just going to build the wrong thing or at least big chunks Mm. that are wrong yeah so we can start doing that and roll the dice and maybe we won't have to throw a bunch of stuff away but that is the risk yes so as long as you're clear on the risk then we kind of move forward yeah yeah i try not to yeah i'm a i'm a i would say my risk tolerance level is medium from right. you know people I know, there's some people who have a much higher risk tolerance in there. Maybe they don't have dogs and kids, and they, you know, want to really <laughs> swing for the fence with a tech startup. And like, I'm I can't go there. Like, if someone was like, "Hey, how about you coach me for equity in this startup?" I'd be like, "Nah, I, I mean, you it could work yeah. for you, but it's just not my risk profile." Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So gotcha. yeah, so I try not to enforce mine on people I'm coaching. If somebody has a really high risk tolerance, then yeah. fine, but you know, spell yeah. it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um. So and then the question I, is, oh, go yeah, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, the So the question is, um, the execution piece. Yeah. Is that, is that, is that something that, like, is it, are you, I don't know, in Photoshop or like animator or something like doing Adobe Animate, making art personally, mean, or is, do you have like uh, a team? Yeah, I would have a team. And um, I mean, in the, in this context, in a fixed price model, I would hire the whole team and just get it done. And we use the various types of software. My guys would do their artwork usually at the, in their, on their own, you know, equipment at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, writers would be working just, you know, in a, in a script software that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In this kind of in this kind of, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because it's actually the next kind of phase, I suppose, is. In this sort of retainer model, we're sort of bleeding into that rather than beginning like, right, I'm signing a contract to deliver you the pitch Bible or deliver you 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. I did a very clean and simple job um, about six months ago where a studio that, I mean, I knew the CEO, he said, I've got this I've got this job. I don't have the capacity for it, but it's fully funded. And he had reasons for wanting to take it on. And he said, I just want to make it your problem. Can you write me or get or write or get written the whole series? Um, 
here here is some of the artwork that it's already done and just come back to me with like really great scripts and that's what mm -hmm. i did i just delivered that with a team of two other writers so it was really simple fixed price like nothing to it i just mm -hmm. had to deliver something that fit really well into the existing strategy yeah, but where so i'm he actually gave you a blueprint exactly he knew exactly mm -hmm. what he's doing and what he wanted and and i built it for him Mm -hmm. And here it's more like we're building the plane in midair, right? Is that yeah, somebody's scary. going? So I'm like, okay, so we're sort of bleeding into as we're doing the strategy, we're kind of tinkering with the with the actual house, and then we're going back to the blueprint, and then so there is no point at which I'm at the moment where it would be clear to me that to say, right, if you want me to now take on the pitch bible as a separate thing, and then I will do it, but it. So it's almost more like the more organic thing would be to just carry on doing that and then suggest people that, you know, team members that then the client hires directly. And mm -hmm. I guess that's the altitude thing is like, you know, at what point on the retainer model are you getting, I mean, you, you sort of advocated the three options. And in this case, the client took my middle option. But I'm, I'm having, having, not having, having not done it before, my option three my question to you would be like, how detailed do you even get? I mean, how do you, are you starting yeah. to actually drive the process and take responsibility for it and starting to like hire people yourself for that kind of thing? Right. Or are you still just advising, but in great detail? <laughs> you know? Right. So um, yeah, it could be either one. So it kind of depends right. on, on what they're looking for. For me, what I would usually do in the past, because I really didn't want to, you know, I was in software, I didn't want to have to have a login for a bug tracker. That was my line in the right. sand. <laughs> okay. So I am not logging into a bug tracker. Right. So right, I would right. never agree to do anything that involved me writing code that got shipped to production because then all of a sudden I have to go into Jira. Right. So right. that was my line in the sand. I would, I would do um, maybe a little proof of concept or create some code just to see if something was feasible. But if they put mm. it into production, that's their problem. I'm not yeah. fixing bugs. So I found a thing that I could kind of use as my line in the sand to demark mm, what I mm, wanted to do. So for three options for me on our advisory retainer would be, um, it, and if I was going to do this, I just sold it as a productized service and it was just one price, one option. Um, and if you wanted to discuss exceptions or extra travel or some other thing, I would just negotiate those individually. But in general, right. my advisory retainer was, it was like a, a productized service, which doesn't need to have three options. I usually use, I use the three options because I've, I'm trying to value price something and that right. gives them, it, it minimizes the likelihood that I'm going to leave a whole bunch of money on the table and it gives them, you know, it's like a, it gives them more choice really to find something okay. that's going to suit their needs for this very specific kind of like a one-off situation yes. that they're in. Okay. So in your in your so case, I've conflated the two concepts in a way. A little bit. Uh, I've offered them. I've offered them a, a three tiered advisory t retainer. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds to me though that like you're you're uh, a little soft on the advisory. But let me. So let, so right. the way I would do it in the past um, would be. So I'd say, hey, let's do a. Um, if somebody wanted a strategy session, that was one thing. And right. it was pretty short. I mean, I would maybe there'd be maybe one big meeting with the key people and they'd be really high up in the organization mm -hmm. and we'd get clarity on the vision. You know, I can't define it for them. I have to help them kind of figure out, well, what are your goals? What's the vision of the future? Yeah. Um, and then come up with a strategy. Like the strategy is 
what's the best approach we can take given all of the constraints that we have to try and achieve these goals? Because you could do, you know, there's lots of different ways. You could do frontal assault. You could do yeah. guerrilla warfare. There's lots of, it depends on what your strengths are and what the air quotes enemies weaknesses are. So mm. you want to, you want to pick that and that's the strategy. And that shouldn't, it shouldn't be ongoing. I mean, it should be pretty, I'm not talking about, you know, the, well, even a blueprint phase, it should be pretty short. Mm. You know, you don't want it stretching on and on and on because that, that just feels like decisions that haven't been made. And the whole, the whole beauty of having a strategy is that it allows you to differentiate between opportunities and distractions when you're got your arm, your sleeves rolled up and you're, you know, doing the work and, Ooh, this is a cool idea. Why don't we do, why don't we have the mouse be able to fly? And it's like, yes, well, no, that's, that's fun or maybe a good idea for a different movie, but this movie is meant to blah, blah, blah. We're just going to sell it yeah. to Disney and mice don't fly yeah. at Disney. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So it gives you a way to say no to all of the good ideas, air quotes, that are going to come up during production. Mm. Mm. So it keeps you on track. It should, so it makes me a little nervous. And I think you're sent, you're sent, you're feeling nervousness about the fact that the strat, that the strategy isn't done and mm. you're building stuff. Exactly. So, and, and I'm finding it difficult to, I think it's because it's so new and so, and as you say, I can't, I can, I can sort of suggest roots um that you know have others have tread before but it's very mm -hmm. difficult to get the strategy locked down when it's like completely new territory for somebody and they're just like well i just want to have a show and i'm like well there are multiple pathways <laughs> to getting there and most of them lead off a cliff yeah and um <laughs> so and and what and you know and so every question I'm asking at the moment I'm asking several times and we're sort of edging towards answers and that's the part that's yeah I think there's that there's there's a tension there where um, on the one hand I'm talking to the writer on the other hand I'm talking to the CEO mm. and I'm sort of saying like let's slow down on the writing and but the sort of pressure is on to keep going and the CEO has the has the appetite to kind of keep going on that and take that risk. Mm. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's. Yeah, I think you've you've hit the nail in, on the head on one of the sort of points, little pressure points that I'm feeling. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cool. And as okay, you said, I think I probably am soft on the whole um, advisory part. I think that's where uh, I think having conflated the three, the your the two different things of the three options of value based pricing and then the retainer option into kind of one thing mm -hmm. with three different options that has created its own unintentional consequences i guess mm. is i'm managing the level at which i'm giving this advice as well and saying well i'm not gonna you know i'll i'll talk to your writer at this level but you know um i won't like lead your whole team you know mm -hmm. yeah it gets it's very squishy mm. Mm. so you're gonna have to so what you're gonna end up doing uh you're gonna just need to fall back on your the quality of your relationship with the client Mm, and mm. there needs to be like a fair amount of mutual trust to keep you from getting thrown under the bus at some point when they go off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So it's like, I'm, I'm sitting there going, uh, there are many ways we could, we, it's on a very narrow road. We could fall off and I'm trying to do my best. And I think I've had a big impact already. I mean, just the fact of talking about the strategy that wasn't even on the table. It was like, mm -hmm. well, let's just start building. So I can see, I mean, I can see that I'm having an impact and it's a, it's a smart, um, a smart client who, who's um, ambitious. Um, but yeah, I have this nervousness that, 
we haven't locked down certain things and I'm not necessarily, I don't know um, if the advisory, if the way we've set it up, if the way I've set it up has, has helped or hindered it, I guess. Mm. So let's talk about the, the word advisory for a second. Yeah. So a lot of people talk about retainers and when they talk about it, they talk about it in the lawyer sense. And yeah. the, the legal profession has kind of defined retainers as prepayment for a chunk of hours. Yeah. And that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking mm -hmm. about is the client has access to my brain. So they've got like a, the back yes. phone or a hotline. Yes, and yes. they're like, I'm, you know, usually the scenario is they've got some big, expensive, bet the business, risky project. And I am perceived by them as an expert in the area. So they want to subscribe to me like an insurance policy so that they can get quick answers that they trust about what uh, direction to go with a decision. Should we use this platform or should we use that platform? Mm -hmm. Should we use, you know, should we go native or HTML? Should we get, you know, blah, blah, all these million questions. And I don't do any of it. Mm. I just say, I just advise them. They say, hey, we've got, we're faced with, uh, there's a fork in the road. Should we go left or right? And I'll say, well, tell me what, tell me the deal, what's going on. And, or, or maybe I already know just because we've been working together. And I'll say, well, I would go right here for these reasons. Um, you could go left, but I think you're going to encounter a cliff or there's going to be mm -hmm. so like a longer, rougher road. I, my guess, gut instinct is go right. I think it's safer and smoother based on your constraints. But if they need some kind of, if they're like, okay, now, now, yeah, I don't know, drive the carriage down this road for us. We'll, we'll sit in the back. You drive the carriage. Like, no, I don't do that. Mm. I tell you where to go. If you need mm. somebody to drive the carriage or you need a horse and carriage to go down that road i will introduce you to someone who can do that that i trust mm. but you deal with them directly and you know either yes. have someone internally do it or i'll introduce you to someone who's qualified that i trust and you just deal with that on your own yes i'm not yes. your project manager i'm just overseeing mm. it's like project oversight but i'm not project managing so for the duration of the project yeah. and in this case you have a very clear project it's got like a beginning a middle and end there's like it's going to be done at some point. It's not, you don't necessarily know when, but it'll have a clear end. Yes. Uh, so you definitely have a project. This, this sounds a lot like a project oversight. If I was going to, if I had a time machine, I would probably go back and insist that there is a clear goal and strategy agreed to by all the stakeholders first, mm -hmm. then, uh, then, then that would be a fixed price thing. Let's say that's $10,000 or it's $50,000 or it's $500, whatever makes sense. To get to the strategy, you mean? To finish, yeah, here's your blueprint. This is the plan. Yeah. We've got a plan yeah. of attack. And yeah. then now now we can deploy troops. I hate using military yeah. metaphors, but it's, <laughs> it's a perfect yeah. kind of thing. So, okay, so now we've got, we've got the blueprint. We're not going to, you know, you're not going to start building a house with half a blueprint. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so now you've got, your, part of the strategy is going to say, okay, who do we need to execute this? If you're going to keep yourself purely in the strategy realm, which was my desire, it's not necessary. Mm. A lot of people don't, um, but it was the way I wanted to do it. I would say, mm. okay, here's the team you need. You either yeah. have them or you don't. Uh, if you have them, great. If you don't, here's where you can go get them. But I would never put myself in between the two parties. Right, right, You know, right, to like right, right. Uh, get a margin or something like that. Mm. I would just make mm. the introductions. You guys figure it out. And once that's set, then it's like, okay, let's build this thing and we can execute against the strategy very quickly. The tactics are going to be relatively obvious. Uh, you're not going to be distracted by uh, things that really don't align with the strategy. You're just going to blast through it. Right. 
and you can go a lot you can actually go a lot quicker that way yeah than if you're you know so if you're in a hurry it it's smarter to take a second to decide you know let's let's get a really detailed map here where are we going mm -hmm. and then you can blast through it instead of like well we've got half a map when we get yeah. to albuquerque we'll just start asking for directions yeah so, I mean, I think the situation that, that I was presented with is probably going to be one that I face kind of more commonly than not in my context because mm -hmm. of the kinds of people that are coming to me for help, Right. which is they're already in motion on something. They're kind of committed to it. They, then they realize they didn't have a strategy. Um, they don't necessarily want to, they're not the kind of clients who necessarily even know what the value is to them or mm -hmm. what they can't even put into numbers what they need it to do um and they are kind of the strategy is like well let's just do the minimum necessary to kind of keep going because for whatever their reasons are they feel like just getting something out there is going to be the most Im important thing and so what what i'm wondering is um if I ask the kind of value-based um, price questions, I generally get, uh, we have no idea. We don't know. We don't know what this is worth. We don't know what it needs to do. We just feel like instinctively we want to go in this direction and, and kind of figure it out as we go. We want to build the plane in the air. And that's kind yeah. of like what people are essentially saying. And they're like, will you be our co-pilot? Well, they're first asking, will you pilot the thing? And I'm like, heck no. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I guess what I've done now is I'm like, oh, well, I'll, I'll co-pilot it or be the navigator um mm. and um You'll still and be there of, when it crashes <laughs> yeah exactly and i and i and i've so i'm now in the cockpit in a way um yeah you want to be in the tower managing, <laughs> yeah i'm sort of managing that involvement as right. we go um and and it is on a retainer basis on a month-to-month -month basis it's like right. and and, and the, the way it sort of arrived at that was like when i said well um you know, I could charge you this fixed price for this for this pitch Bible. I could do this for you, and I mean that was probably the simpler option. But I was I'm having trouble with charging people money for something that I'm pretty sure is going to fall over. You know, right? Um, and then and then it was like and then they were like, well, how much is going to cost to like do the whole you know get to the strategy and all that? And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, and it's very difficult to even price. Once you're starting to go into like pre-production and all that stuff, because it, then it's like, is it 3D? Is it 2D? Is it high-end animation? Is it low-end animation? All those kind of questions start to become, right. I don't know. You know, this thing is, it's very difficult to to kind of price it. Yeah. So that's that's the how it's sort of, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's where people are also talking to me is going, well, can you help us get it all the way to production? Like, right. not necessarily produce it myself, but I certainly would know who to talk to and put together the pipeline and all that right but and it, yeah so i think it, if you're really if you're really advisory hands off mm. shepherding the project i wouldn't think that decisions between like 2d and 3d are going to change any any scope for you personally is that a fair right. to assume yes right? it doesn't it doesn't change the the scope for me but it would change what i would v advise them to do on the actual project Right. So, so it's like if you're going to we well we want to go to these we want to go to these territories and we want to do it you know if once you know who your audience is and your age groups then there's stuff about that you know then I'd be like well then rather do it a 5 minute episode in 3D in CG rather than 2D or something you know those mm -hmm. 
those kind of things, there are trends out there and, and, and producers are looking for different things. Different mm-hmm. broadcasters are looking for different things. Right. So what your outcome is obviously determines a lot of that stuff, even though it's not about the budget now necessarily. Um, it's more about um, what else can we do to enhance the chance of this thing actually getting out there? Right. Because if, if nobody was buying 2D then, and, that, and the client was like, I, I love 2D, I want to do 2D, and I'd be like, well... <laughs> well, you're never going to sell it. Does that matter? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, right. So a couple of things. I, uh, I think, I mean, bear in mind, you're going to go attract, uh, put it like this, every lead you get is not necessarily a good fit. Yeah. And you can just say no to these people. Right. So like, <laughs> you could just, somebody comes along and they say, Hey, we want to, we want a 2d thing with a, a bird and, you know, and, and then you're like, oh, okay, hold your horses. <laughs> that sounds great. We yeah. can do that. I can, or I can put you in touch with people that can do that. It's definitely doable. Yeah. And you're talking to the right guy, but there, I love your metaphor. Like there's a thousand paths there and most of them go off a cliff. So like, what are you yeah. trying to achieve here? Is this something, are you, planning to sell this or like who you're planning to sell it to what age group is it for all of those things that you asked if they can't answer those questions and they are not willing to work with you to get those questions answered you could just say well i'm not going to waste your money i'm not going to i don't want to be there when this plane crashes or the car goes over the cliff or whatever metaphor you want (laughs) yeah yeah, but you know sometimes so that's one approach yeah and the the other approach though is more there's a another approach that you said that the plane's already off the ground and mm. it's failing. You know, there's smoke coming out mm. of the engines or whatever, not to beat the metaphor to death, but, um, and you feel bad and you want to help and you want to somehow come up with a way to assist them. You could do uh, what in the software space would be called like a website rescue or something like that, where right. there's a project that's got, there's just too much sunk cost in it. It feels like maybe it's almost done or is just too much to throw away but mm. it seems to be going in the wrong direction. So they want someone to come in and turn it around. Yeah. And you see this in, you know, in uh, private equity, they'll, tur- you know, try and do business turnarounds and stuff. So you, you could offer something that's specifically for that scenario where you're just really explicit about no guarantees, uh, you know, very clear scope of involvement where, you know, you are there to advise only. You can pay me X dollars per month for as long as you want or until the project is released or whatever, mm. as long as you want, you can pay me until you, you want me to stop. But if you trust me, if you trust that my expertise is such that it's going to decrease the risk of this failing, yeah. then here's how much it's going to be. And you just pick a price you're comfortable with yeah. and they can take it or leave it. Mm. So it's not, I wouldn't value price that either because they don't know what they want. So there's no way, or they exactly. can't articulate what they want. So there's nothing to price. Yeah, that's my problem. That's where I'm. I think that's that's what I'm. What I'm realizing is that they say they want like a show, but what they actually want is a viable production business. But they have mm. no idea like about any of that, and then there are no answers to any of the questions. So what is it? And, I don't. I don't see the connection between coming to you with a story and wanting to create a business. Is it going to be like a portfolio piece for them, like a calling card? Um. I think people see the end product and they're like, I want that. Um, they see other people who have successful shows and they're like, I want to do that. And so they come up with an idea. They come up with a story first mm-hmm. before they come up with a business plan or a strategy or have any real capacity 
or um but then they somehow find money as well so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one and and there's a people who actually do genuinely genuinely want to help i mean in south africa i want to see more studios succeed and they all die slow deaths spending themselves to death um because we start in the wrong place and mm. i guess i'm trying to i've, I've been trying to like draw as much as I could from from what you've been saying and try to come up with a model that in this context kind of helps people and makes them feel comfortable as, and in control as well because I know I'm helping mm-hmm. um, in each case I feel like I've I've helped and and people have re- and you know the person I turned away and they ended up not hiring me wrote me an incredible recommendation <laughs> 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 it's like this is the guy if you really want to talk to about you know where you want to take your studio um so it, I, I guess i'm swimming a little bit in 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 learning a new completely new model because i think you completely shifted my paradigm around hourly um billing in the beginning i mean just mm-hmm. to take it back to how this all started right. was you totally shifted my paradigm and i had just finished a job with a client doing a very different job um it was kind of developing um the creative side of a bot and I build hourly and it was disastrous for me. It was a great job and I, I really liked the people and I loved the product. But for me financially, it was totally disastrous because it just did not, I, I had all, the worst of all worlds. And so I was, mm. had that fresh in my mind when I, when I came across um, your work and it, I was like, yes, at a gut level, at an instinctive level, I feel like what you're saying is finally unlocking those things you feel when you're hourly billing you're like this, ah, yeah. yeah this is just the way it is but there's something wrong here and mm-hmm. um and then i started getting these other people coming to me saying you know can you help us write because i'm a i'm known as a writer and a director mm-hmm. and it was those two things swirling around in my head going i could just charge them to do this and that would be like my job but first of all they can't afford me i can't charge enough to write the for them at their level to make it a viable business for me, but I do want to help um, right. at a level that works for me. If, mm-hmm. if I, I think that's probably the best summary of what I'm experiencing is people are coming to for my, for me for help. I can't charge them enough for that piece of work that, that I would price myself completely out of their market um, and it wouldn't be viable working for the rates they want to pay. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because people are usually starting right at the beginning and they kind of just want to get something done. Right. Um, but I wanted to help. And so I've ended up with this model, which I realize is is like a weird hybrid <laughs> now of like mm-hmm. this three-tiered level of involvement where I'm like, I'm advising month to month, but it's like at the first tier, I said, well, I'll just talk to you, the CEO, anytime you want. At the second level, I'll have meetings with your um with your writer and I'll get like into a little more detail on the actual creative while talking to you about strategy. Mm -hmm. And then on the third level, it was like, I'll actually become like a creative director, like a uh, for hire where you're where whenever there's a creative meeting or creative decisions to be made, I'll be there and and give my opinion and I will Mm. recommend who to hire and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. and so that, far that's going, not that bad. Yeah? That's it's not that bad. That's just was just not the way I chose to do it. Right. Because I didn't want to be that embedded in the the scope of the project. Right. Right. So, you know, you that's certain that's a viable way that you did it. Like that's right. that's fine, but if you're not comfortable the the thing that's the thing that's problematic is that the strategy's ongoing. It's not problematic that you offered to participate at 
uh, increasingly low level layers. Yes. That's not the right. problem. The problem right. is you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So yeah. having a having like a strategy workshop or an innovation session mm-hmm. or whatever, a clarity session first. Yeah. Yeah. To make a decision, or at least, at least, even if the plane is already in flight, I got to stop using the plane metaphor. Um, <laughs> even if, even if that's true, you could say you could still find some success criteria. So, like, what would be a disaster, Mister mm. CEO mm. person? What would be a disaster? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would be a home run? And how much do you want to spend on that? So, like, you, you, I want to loop back quickly yes. to something you said earlier, where they have no idea how much it's worth. That's not totally true. It's not literally true. Because you could say, like, they might not be able to come up, you know, dig up a price and say, oh, it's worth a million dollars to me. But you could say, well, I'll be a million dollars to assist with this. Is that too high or too low? And they'll say that's right, too high. Right, right, so right. So they do right. have an idea. Yes, of course. There's a difference yeah. between having, like, an idea and being able to articulate a number. But yes, they, got you, got you. Yeah. So that's important because there's always a number. Like, mm. and people are bad at giving you one, but if you bounce a number off someone, they, they will, their gut will automatically react to it mm. and they'll say yes, no, or maybe. And if they say maybe, you know, you're right around the level of what it's worth to them. Right. If they say instantly say yes, you know that you're way under what it's worth to them. <laughs> and if they yeah, say, yeah. if they get sticker shock, then you're way over. Mm. So, you know, if, in a situation where I was really having a hard time getting to any kind of success metrics or anything, even tangible or intangible that I could measure to demonstrate success that had some kind of dollars associated with it, I'd be like, look, I, you know, we're getting to the end of this meeting. I still don't understand the business case for you guys doing this. Mm. Uh, I recognize that I could participate. I don't know if I would make things better or worse though, because I don't know what you're trying to achieve here. Mm. Um, but if, you know, and if I was going to put together a proposal anyway, which I wouldn't, but if I was, then I'd say, all right, you know, what range should I, I'll put together a proposal. I'm going to have three options on it. What range should I stay within for this to even be realistic? Yeah. You know, I've got three ideas. I think there are three ways we could engage on the low end. We're probably looking at 65,000 and on the high end is probably like 250,000. Is that roughly in range of what you're looking for? And mm-hmm. they might, they could say anything. They could say, yeah, that's what we were thinking. Or they might say, um, n- no way, like maybe 65, but yeah. no way could we go over a hundred and you say, okay, right. so I'll, I'll come up with some different options that are more in that range. And I'd still go over a hundred in the, in the proposal. I'd say, here's a 65 or here's a 50, here's 120 and here's a $250,000 options. And you can pick whichever one you want. Yeah. And, and that's yeah, and sorry, and that that is you're you're talking about like taking on the whole project and delivering it, you know? No, not necessarily. Your, right. Okay. It could be. Well, okay. It, yeah, I guess I guess at the at the full price level, that would be, would that be a sort of um, to, uh, to, what is it, turnkey solution? There. It depends on the situation, but it it that's going to be my highest level of involvement. Right. How I would be involved is unclear because it depends on the situation. But, you, yeah, you know, okay. it still wouldn't yeah. be me, me coding. It could be right. me putting together a team that the highest level one could uh, be me building them a software team internally that could actually do this. Right. Yes. Or it could be um, finding an external agency that could do it that I trust that will in, in that I will oversee throughout the course of the project to make sure that everybody's behaving appropriately. Hmm. 
you know, it, it, none yeah, of them would yeah, have been yeah. me coding. It would have been, it would have been somebody, you know, so like at a certain point you need yeah. to decide, look, do I need, do I want to be in the business of, you know, creating 3d models? Mm. Like, is that really the best use of my time or should I be mm. talking to want to be, uh, I don't know, producers about what their business model should be. Yeah. And yeah. like the best yeah. way to tackle. Yeah. Know, and, that, and the more of the, the more time you spend, creating 3d models the more the you've already identified that they can't afford you and that you'd be priced out of the market in two seconds by somebody who does you know in the philippines that does 3d models for 15 dollars an hour or less yeah 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 exactly so knowing how to find those people for 15 dollars an hour though is extremely valuable yeah yeah, yeah. so if you stay uh, if you stay involved at the at the um advisory level ideally you'd start off with a strategy you'd have some kind of clear goals you stay involved at the advisory level and just and not be doing uh any of the execution ideally and that and that's my favorite yeah. in my world but you can get involved in the execution if you've got the people maybe you've got payroll you've got a team you know that you're paying anyway and you mm -hmm. want to not fire them and you want to keep them busy and give them stuff to do then sure do execution you know farm that out to your team keep them busy uh, keep them profitable. It just wasn't my model. I didn't want to have a lot of employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think what as you're talking. I mean, this is all. What's been so fascinating to me is that I've kind of like found myself in a real world scenario, like as I was coming to grips with the concepts. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's been like a weirdly, weirdly cool, but also a bit scary. But I think as you've talked about it. Um, I've got to definitely be uh, much more. Uh, I want to. I wanted to say assertive, but it, that's not quite right. I, I guess about getting the strategy nailed down to like before anything else happens, mm -hmm. as much as possible. I mean, it is difficult when someone's already in. In, I mean, the one client, one potential person came to me and said, "Can you write us this script?" And I was like, Shh, "Okay, well, let's have that conversation." They were like, "Yeah," because it's already basically written. Or half written, but the writer like ended up at rehab, so we're just looking for another writer. And I was like, I actually have like a heart for somebody in that position where I can just see they're driving this thing off a cliff. Like it, they're on the road, one of the many many roads that'll end with that script sitting gathering dust on a shelf. Mm -hmm. And it's like my thing is how do I help these people because there's I'm seeing more and more and more of them, and mm -hmm. it does seem to be at that strategic level. And then calibrating it, I guess, in such a way that they stay comfortable that they're they're getting value out of me, even though they originally came hoping to just pay a fixed price and get a script out of me, or or get a fully polished pitch bible that they could show to a producer, you know? Right. Um, yes, yeah, so they want a silver they, bullet. Yeah, but actually, what I've asked them to do is just pay me to kind of come in along. It could seem like I've paid asked them to pay me to do a lot less work for a lot longer period on a nice long stroll. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like I don't really want to do that hard work for you, but why don't you just keep paying me while we while we talk a lot? You know, is the sort of um, and I and I guess I'm just keen to make sure. And I think I think that's probably it. Is the is the, the strategy side of it needs to get done sooner and more. But it is actually quite a long process um, when you start asking questions people haven't really thought about like, at all. You know? When you say long, um, I mean... Well, I mean, I guess, no, it's probably long. It would be you know, a few meetings, but in right. that period of time. So it could be like, okay, well, let's meet now. Okay, we don't have... Let's, 
I've asked some questions, go and th- go, go, go away and think about it. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, the writing and all that stuff is going on. You know? Well, that's um, a problem. Uh, yeah. And then it's so. like, uh, okay, so now we're going to meet next week. And okay, so we still don't have answers on some of these questions. Can we go back and think about it? Meanwhile, you know, it's like, and I'm saying, let's slow down on the writing. Let's slow down on that stuff. Well, um, I'd accelerate. I'd try to accelerate the strategy. You wouldn't want it to take more than right. two weeks. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so like you, I don't know how many other people are involved, but you know, the more people are involved, the longer it's going to take, especially if they're not employees yeah. and they're like, Oh, I've got to talk to the government about maybe getting a grant or whatever. Yeah. But you don't want it to, to be this like ongoing thing. It should like yeah. be at the most, like I would love to see you do it in either like a four hour half day session or like two days mm-hmm. on site or um, you do, I could see you might need to, they might need to get meetings with other people, but you know, really it should boil down to depending on this. These are probably smaller organizations, right? Like they're not a hundred people, right? Yeah. And there's research to be done. So like I ask a question, you know, and then it's like, Oh, I'd have to go and research that. Like, like what? Well, it'll be like, um, uh, what do you, you know what platforms do you want this show to go on and like got some like ideas on what that platform might be you know there's some you know regional streaming platforms across africa or asia mm-hmm. i'm like well what are the big shows on there what are i don't know those streamers what are the what are the big shows what are oh, the okay. age groups those kind of things and they're like oh well they don't really know they need to go and research that and then there can be a few questions like that right mm-hmm. um and then they're like oh i really like the strategy of um maybe uh like launching i don't know my own channel or something but <laughs> what would that take and i'd be like you know um well let's go we have to go and research that before we make a decision that that's actually what what they want to do and that kind of thing so it's a bit of a kind of as as new concepts arise or new questions arise and it's like okay we'll have to go and pause and go and find the answers mm. and then make a decision based on that research and then come back and slowly build that way um, so the, yeah, the thing you're maybe, describing, and maybe though, that that has been a bit, you know, yeah, that's been a bit squishy for me. Well, I'm I'm worried more for their sake than my own, in a way. Mm. What that sounds like, as you describe it, is that they're searching not for a strategy but an objective. So yeah, they, that is a great way of putting it. Yeah, yes. what they don't have yeah. an objective, so they're looking for different. They they need to start with an objective in order to pick a strategy. Like you need yeah. to know what hill you're trying to take. So if they can't even come up with an objective mm. and I, I feel you know uh, I, I every bone in my body wants to say everyone has an objective yeah but I can imagine that it's impossible to uncover it with someone but that that piece doesn't require meetings like the yeah to, to define an objective does not require meetings and once you have an objective it cuts down all of that other stuff that you just described because there'll be a bunch of things that are obviously not going to be useful strategies yeah 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 so if you can't define the in the objective, you should be able. If you can't define the objective in yeah. two hours, there's like no hope. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just not ready. Mm, yeah. So once you have an objective, it's going to really dramatically cut down on the scope of the research that you need to do to decide on a viable strategy. And you should really be able to do it in like four to six hours over the maybe over the course of two weeks, maybe eight hours over the course of two weeks. But that should really, you know, that that should do it. You know, we're yeah, not talking no, about makes... like, we're not talking about like, you know, Walmart's 2021 retail strategy. This is like, of course, yeah, entrepreneurial creative person who has an idea for like a, a cartoon. 
Yeah, and I think that the, the tricky part is like when I, I mean, and this may be my own squishiness, I like that word, um, where, you know, if I say to someone, well, what is the, like, what are you trying to build here? You know, I mean, this this show, nobody makes a show just to make a show, really. I, I mean, I, I suppose creative people like myself, we, we just make things. I mean, I do just write stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, That's but, a hobby, not a business. Yeah, but if you're doing a business, the show has to serve a purpose and like what is it trying to serve and they were like mm-hmm. well i just want to be i want to be a i want to be a studio that makes stuff and like Why? well there's many yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> like uh well because i need to expand out of the service niche i'm in now because it's drying up or and i'm too um, and i'm being undercut by india you know why don't you open and a so, chain of laundromats yeah I mean, exactly <laughs> exactly and and i think i'm not necessarily pressing hard enough to get to that answer maybe yeah i'm realizing yeah i add um, a lot more in my brain every time every time somebody says something like what you just said in my brain there's like a neon light that's just flashing so what yeah yeah exactly, exactly. and like i i want to i want them to be able to articulate it in a way that a six-year-old would understand Yes. Because then they won't forget it. They'll be like, yeah. oh, you're right. My goal is to impress my best friend from high school by succeeding in this industry. <laughs> right? Seriously. And yes, then yes, they'll be like, yes, they'll yes. be like, oh, wow. I never thought of yeah. it like that. And you'll say, yeah, okay, yeah, if yeah. that's what you want to do, then here, then you need to win this award. Or you know, a YouTube channel is not yeah. going to impress your friend from sixth grade. You yeah. need to have a show on Nickelodeon. So if you want a show on Nickelodeon, here's your strategy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, actually I realize as you're talking now, they've said a few things in between that, that probably ah, yeah, clues. that are clues. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's really helpful. That's really helpful. Um, and I, yeah, I definitely feel like I've kind of maybe glossed over that myself. Um, in trying to because i think the show is already like because we already have this thing mm-hmm. that it's like okay well how are we gonna what are we doing with it you know so let's who are we selling it to all that stuff but there is that deeper question um that has to be nailed down first mm-hmm. yeah it really well it really helps it dramatically increases the odds of success if you know where the basket is yeah which is actually what i want to be doing is that i want to go as far upstream as I need to, mm-hmm. to maximize the client's chance of actually getting this thing out there because mm-hmm. I just see so much <laughs> death and destruction. <laughs> in, yeah. I like these, you know, the, the kind of, this is the landscape is littered with these dead projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I feel like I know enough to have a real impact, but I definitely learning very much at the kind of bleeding edge for myself of what you are are so comfortable with is like um getting really high you know sort of high upstream to the point where you actually change a company's trajectory through getting them to realize a few things and Mm -hmm. then helping with the practical things after that if you want yeah 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 exactly so for example like i see in your email signature it says like writing is in there like you need to you need to get rid of that because (laughs) because that that is the that's this tangible thing that everybody can understand and that's what's gonna Mm. that and that is where your leads are coming from i think that's what you said yes and then they start talking to you and it's like you feel like you're giving them a bait and switch yeah because you've kind of been sold as a writer you know not sold sold but just like presented as a writer yes and then you're like well you need strategy first guess what i do strategy too 
Yeah. And it's the, yeah. it's the, you want it to go the other way. You want them to reach out to you because they know their project's in trouble or they don't mm. want to go off the cliff again for the third time. Yeah. Tired of your projects going off the cliff or just sitting on a shelf collecting dust? Maybe you should talk to me and we could come up with a strategy that will sell your show and not just make your show. So, yeah. you know, it could be, I don't know what you would call it, but I think leading with the strategy piece and not having it be like the fourth thing in a list and focusing down on that as like, uh, you know, cause you're going to continue to get word of mouth, um, referrals and uh, you know, it's all this other execution project stuff that yes. probably wouldn't go away for 10 years. So no, you're going to, yeah. you're going to keep getting the word of mouth stuff, but in your public marketing, you could be thoroughly like, I don't know what you would call it. What do you call it? Like animation strategy or something? Animation yeah, sounds probably. So it's like no not yeah i guess it's like creative creative strategy i suppose i don't know if there's a i don't know if there's a like a, a distinct role that recognized for it although right. it's clearly a need right um yeah i'll give so that some thought though what's the industry so like these these people that these buyers that come along what do they think they do like if i said to one of them hey what do you do and they would say i am the oh, what? you mean the, the sort of buyers who buy up these show concepts, or uh, no, the, your clients, your potential clients? Oh, my clients. Um, the 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 problem is they're often just they're trying to segue into animation, and and they will have like a live action studio, or I mean, the, the one. The, some of them are make documentaries. Some of them do post production. In they specialize in sounds. Some of them. That I've spoken to just did like uh, short specialized in like public service announcement type videos, mm -hmm. and then they're going, uh, we want to segue into animation, and, into and the, we want to so do it, and we want to do it that? by having a story. <laughs> yeah, is there <laughs> you know, having you write us a story? Okay, is there a is there a name for the industry though? Because when you say animation, it's not yeah. we're really talking about shows or movies, yeah, or animated animated like what is that called like if you won an award for yeah finding nemo yes what's that well that's that 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 is an animated feature film as opposed okay. to a live action feature film and then okay. there's animated so at the moment i mean when people talk about animation now it's just generically it's it's the shows and the feature films and all of it well, it could be video games too i mean it's like very yeah. unclear yeah it, it, i mean it can be i mean video games has become such a, a sort of a distinct culture mm -hmm. so i mean they're now you know narrative experts in video games and all that kind of stuff um mm -hmm. and it's kind of it's very specific it's more specific but the the technology overlaps are huge so there are right. people who can work in a feature film in a tv show in a video game or whatever there are a lot of overlaps but when it comes to the development of the actual intellectual property the actual kernel of the idea you know like nemo or or mm -hmm. the, you know that that is actually a thing that becomes a product that you can brand and merchandise and all that right stuff. Mm -hmm. um that is what we, what we would call development um, yep. that's where we what we call development and they're actually within a big studio would be in a development executive somebody whose job it is to like shepherd all the creatives through the process of um you know, um, and and I, and I was that inside the studio where it's like you're guiding and advising all of the creatives on the show and whether it meets the standards of the studio. And you also have the creative brain to help with solutions. And in some ways, I'm providing that service too. you know, at where I'm talking to the writer and to the CEO and saying, well, I think we should position the show like this. And 
here's how I would change your main character, for instance, would, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that's, that's, that is strategy at the level of like adjusting the actual story, you know, mm-hmm. um, with an eye on what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm looking for a term that is specific enough to sound really credible and qualified. Yeah. It's very tricky though, because I want to say, cause everything I come up with is like really long like animated movie or TV IP development strategist. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, uh, so then Um, I was trying to say like, well, if there's a particular kind of particular kind of client that you would like to attract an ideal buyer, an ideal buyer, what, what, what do they look like? What's their deal? You know, you, you, you're good, Jonathan. You're good. (laughs) Um, no, I think you've been very good at, at, at just pointing out these key points because I've I I am I'm someone who in in my particular wheelhouse and I've, I'm incredibly articulate, but I feel like I'm I'm sort of uh, wandering around the edges of something that I'm I'm very excited about but still exploring. So I feel mm. way less articulate than usual. Um, but you've managed to hit the <laughs> hit the nails. Um, so I guess my ideal client would not necessarily would be in animation, but it would be actually, um, uh, okay, so at the level of like a fixed price, I suppose my ideal client is someone who already has their strategy in place, already knows what they want. So they've probably got the funding in place and they like just want me to put together my team of guys and just like knock it out the park and deliver 13 amazing episodes that they can send to their Malaysian studio and get it animated, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I've done that this is something new. These clients that are, are something new. And I think, let me throw the other client I had, which was like bot development, which is this, it's, it's a client who's coming to me with a sense of making clear creative decisions with an eye on strategy is what's going to get their business to the next level. Does that make sense? So if someone is developing a bot, they realize that they might have the technical knowledge and they ha- might have the um, uh, the content inside of that bot, but they don't have the creative wherewithal to fit, to make the bot actually move people and, and, and interact and, and work for the, for the audience. So like create and, the narrative or the emotional yeah. connection through the narrative. Exactly. But it's, it's in that case, even there was a clarity of vision and, and strategy. And so I just had to, I had to deliver like high levels of creativity, creative uh, input and shaping what's, and I guess that in still is my ideal client. Um, I just, I, I, I'm also finding that I want to help. <laughs> I want to help these other clients. I want to see them succeed and I want to find a way that is beneficial to me and beneficial to them without me ending up going down with the plane um, and making them unhappy because I, they feel like I maybe over promised somehow or yeah. um, yeah. So, so sorry, I think, I think I didn't answer your question. For me, an ideal client would be someone who probably already had um, a clear strategy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two kinds. One would be the one that had a, had a strategy and just wanted me to implement like with a team. And that's, that's cool. I love that actually. Okay. The so other that's one kind of like, this. so just pause for a second. So that yeah. just to make sure I'm following, that sounds kind of like you want to be uh, in the building metaphor, you'd be the general contractor. So like, you don't really want to be the architect, but you just, but you don't want to work 
as a general contractor without a blueprint. So you've kind of been feeling like you need to do the blueprint work because they don't have one, but you'd prefer, or perhaps you just feel a better sense, a higher sense of mastery, or you're just more confident that you can knock it out of the park. Someone comes to you with a clear blueprint and you're like, I'm going to build this house like crazy. It's going to be so great. Is that kind of, kind of in the metaphor? Um, that I would say, I, I would say it's a little bit further I, in that metaphor. I would see the general contractor being the say Malaysian or South Korean animation studio. Okay. where you're delivering all the raw materials to their site and they churn out a, a finished show at the end, right? And Oh, interesting. So, I mean, they, you know, you're, de you're, you're delivering the scripts, you're delivering, des you, they, and basically what my job was, was to design the parts. So it was more of a, in that, in that thing, it is more of the architectural design of the thing, delivering um, blueprints, but they already know I mean, to, to use the analogy again, it's like a developer coming to me going, we have this piece of land, it's this big, we need it to house, you know, 250 units, and we need um, it at this kind of price point. Design us a complex that fits that. Okay. And that, so they've, I've, they, yeah. yeah, they've got the strategy, but not a blueprint. So they know what they want. They have an objective, and yeah. they've got a strategy, and they have all the numbers, the kind of business cases there. And they're like, yes. all right, do some blueprints and then send that to the Malaysians. Exactly. And I okay. love doing that. I don't, I don't particularly want, I'm not a studio. I don't want to make the animation. I like doing the blueprints, planning out the show, the characters, the arcs, the writing the episodes or getting them written and working with amazing writers and designers, okay. overseeing the development of the artwork that would then be delivered to a studio to then, you know, mm -hmm. build and build it and animate. Perfect. Then the other type of client that I'm that I'm getting and that I'm interested in helping is this client where they are maybe at the point of having an objective or maybe not even, but they've come to me starting at the wrong point, and I I want to help, um, and I enjoy the process of talking about the journey of becoming like a content creator or a studio and that kind of thing. I do mm -hmm. I do actually enjoy that as well. And it's a, but it's a totally different kind of client. They're coming yeah. to me at a totally different stage in their journey. Yeah. Um, They're much more wanna, green. Yeah. And I want to help them. I really do. And I think there's a model there and I feel like I've tried something and it's maybe a little squishy. It mm. is working, but I, I have some fear. <laughs> yeah. So the problem, so the yeah. problem that you're going to always come up against with um, a high touch delivery for those folks is that it's going to mm. be hard for you to justify the price that you're going to want to charge. So exactly. the, the move you, you make is create some kind of leveraged offering that you can offer to those people. Right. So what does that look like? What's a leverage offering for them? Well, it could be like a, uh, private membership community, a small private membership community for people like them to all, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you do like a monthly presentation about something that's new in the industry or the business. Right. Um, maybe it is a video course or, uh, some kind of, some kind of repeatable, thing that they all need to go through these seven steps of a framework that you would come up with that would help them, you know, unscrew up their project. Yeah. Um, so packaging your expertise in a way that you could distribute it repeatedly or at scale to more than one person at a time allows yes. you to, to set a price point that's really affordable for them. Like maybe it's, maybe it's $300 for a video course or, uh, or it's a thousand dollars for a, a three month seminar, online seminar that you lead, or it's, um, a hundred dollars a month or $300 a month to be part of a paid community that has, you know, every other week, uh, office hours where they can come in and ask you anything. 
but it's all public to the group. It's not private. Mm -hmm. So that that's just a question of packaging up what's in your head in a way that you can sell it over and over without having to keep on, you know, it's not this one-off stuff. And then you can, so you can charge less because you're going to sell it to more people and they can yes, pay less, yes. but it's not private. It's not as nice as if they could afford you one-on-one, -on -one, but they can't. So yes. it also changes, completely changes the responsibility model that you would feel like if things don't go right and you know, the, they're not going to blame you and yeah. it allows you to, to give them something that will, so you can feel like you're helping but without yeah. putting yourself out of business, doing one-on-one -on -one engagements for a bunch of people who really aren't ready to be hiring you at that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, cool. The tricky part is is formalizing the, the, your sort of knowledge in yes. your, your expertise and like how do I formalize that? How do I put it That's into a... That's a big job. <laughs> yeah, it is, right, it is. Yeah. yeah. So the easiest but way to... you do it once, I guess, hey? Yes, exactly. And the, yeah. you can kind of bootstrap your way into it with some kind of a paid community where you've got, you know, if there are really a fair number of these people and you, you had 10 of them in a, like some kind of a group coaching thing or something like that. Mm. And everybody was kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and seeing other people make mistakes that, that they can see in other people, but then they're like, oh, I'm making the same mistake. Mm. You know, there's a lot of learning just in the community uh, on its, on its own. And then if you run that for six months, you're going to see a whole bunch of common themes come up and then you could start putting together webinars on those themes and say, Oh, here's a, here's a free webinar for people in this space about this thing that seems to come up a lot in my group coaching. And here's the webinar on it. That's going to attract people to your group coaching. And it's also going to create content that you could then use as is, uh, as part of a course that you put together, like it, once you have like four or five of these presentations that you've done to your group coaching uh, community based on stuff that they're wrestling with, that more yes. than one of them is wrestling with, whoops, you created a course. So yeah. then for, you know, whatever, whatever you price it at, you know, three digits, somewhere in the three digits and you'd say, mm -hmm. oh, you know, it's on, it's, you can buy it from my website. So when one of these people comes along and say, hey, could you write something for us? Because our writers in rehab, mm. And you're like, uh, I don't think so, but I can hear, but here's what I can do for you. I can introduce you to some new writers or mm, that you can mm. afford, or yeah. you can, you know, if you, you, I think you have based on the conversation you have with them, you also have strategic problems. You don't even know what you're doing. So mm. you might want to jump in this group coaching or whatever the case may be. Yeah. 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 So the first step you would suggest would be some kind of a, um, a, a private membership community and kind of build that out and learn learn the common problems through that that would be that's definitely one way to go for sure mm -hmm. very there's almost nothing to do to set it up it doesn't doesn't require that you record a bunch of like instructional videos or anything um, you could also have a one-off one-on-one strategy call where it's you know if, if people mm -hmm. want to come and talk to you know get access to your expertise for an hour or two uh, it's 500 bucks and they can sign up here again there's very little for you to set up there you just need like a yeah. sales page and a calendly link um, but so you could have like a couple of different strategic level engagements with people that you know one-on-one -on -one short phone call where they can just basically ask you anything yeah a workshop uh, sorry not a workshop but um, a, a group thing where the group thing would be really nice for you because then you could surface all of the the common themes and yeah. then start to develop kind of uh, compartmentalized answers to those things or like repeatable answers to those things. 
Yeah. And before you know it, you'll be writing a book on it. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, eventually you're going to be generating, like, uh, just naturally generating content, I guess. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's super helpful. That's okay. really, really helpful. Um, because I think, I think the, it is, it is about like really wanting to help and, mm-hmm. and not getting myself into a situation or the client into a situation where, it was like, ah, this is what not what either of us really wanted. So now we're going to kind of make the best of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm there yet, but I, I, as I look down the road, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I haven't been on this road before. I haven't been in this position before with the client. So I'm, I'm like scanning the horizon for, <laughs> for danger at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> your sense, and you can sense it because yeah. there's not enough, there's not enough leeway between your cost and their value for the engagement that you're doing. So there's just not much wiggle room. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly that. And um, when you've not done it before and they've not done it before, you know, I think the results can be quite unpredictable. Um, yeah, we didn't talk about, we probably, should, this is getting to be a long call, so we should probably wrap up soon. But there, there's also a notion of R&D, which a couple yeah. of things you've mentioned have kind of sounded like R&D. Yeah, okay. And that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, right. You know, it's still, and I, you still, you could still potentially have a similar kind of product ladder where at the top you've got value price projects, R and D projects, or you could just have ongoing R and D where you're just developing concepts for them. It just feels, it feels a couple of things you mentioned sounded a little bit like that, but the majority of things you've talked about weren't really going in that kind of direction. It was more like, right. it was more like, um, a little bit more execution and you it felt more like you, you wished people had clearer goals because it would be easier <laughs> for you to, to hit home runs for them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So I don't feel like, I don't feel you getting, I feel like you're faced with some things that look a little bit like R and D, but it's not your preference. Right. And so, I mean, how would you define R and D? What would, what would R and D look like to you? I mean, I'm also yeah, conscious of the time. Yeah. yeah I mean, R and D is like R and D Amazon spent something like $26 billion on R and D last year. Right. So, and I don't think Amazon is spending that kind of money on R and D because they're rich. I think they're rich because they spend a lot of money on R and D and guess who else is on the highest spend for R and D lists, Google or the parent company alphabet and Apple and Mm -hmm. Volkswagen and like these huge companies that you know of, um, mostly tech, because they invest billions of dollars every year in R&D, innovation. Yeah. So it, I think it takes a really mature company and a real visionary leader to place a high value on R&D. But when you come across yeah. those people, they will pay a lot of money for someone who they trust delivering results in an R&D capacity. So if you imagine if I got hired, you know, if somebody was looking at me to like do R&D for them, I wouldn't really, you know, in tech, it's not not that compelling, but mm. if they had Elon Musk was available to do R and D he's got a track record. So they're going to probably be willing to spend quite a bit of money. If, if he was doing R and D consulting for giant companies, he yeah. could probably name his price pretty much. Mm. Mm. So R and D has, I think everything to do with your reputation at delivering results and you still can't guarantee anything. And basically you can guarantee that you're going to find out if an idea is feasible, maybe an idea will come out of it, but you you're basically selling on your reputation almost like an artist where the value of the painting has more to do with the the notoriety than the kind of paint they used yeah yeah 
but it's about the kind of the sort of end result is, a, is it almost like it's a the feasibility of it i'm just sort of trying to translate it to my context i guess it would be yeah is this let me let me try a few things out and see you know uh is I there a model at, for this thing maybe yeah i don't know if it's a long conversation i don't know if i could yeah. even <laughs> even if we had time i don't think i could answer it really clearly at this point I, i've never been a fan of trying to sell r d but i think if you're if you're famous for delivering innovative results then you know like ido then you're going to be able to charge a lot of money to people who value r d and value yes. innovation but right. very very few people truly value innovation which yes. is which is a shame yes yes but I, I, yeah, I get that concept. I mean, you're looking for what are people, in what are my, what are the people in my context actually value, you know, mm-hmm. and what are they, um, and how can I help them get that? I guess, and what are they willing to invest in? And it, yeah, it's probably not R and D. Yeah, I, I, probably not. <laughs> so, so yeah, and you just you just totally described value pricing. The whole basis of value pricing is figuring out what what something's worth to someone and and saying, okay, well. You know, if it's worth a hundred thousand, I can do something for ten thousand and twenty-two thousand and fifty thousand. And each one would look like this. Uh, which one do you want? Mm, mm. Um, but I think I think you could go. I think you've got some productized services in you for sure that mm-hmm. you can just price and say, "Hey, if you want me on board to um, advise you creatively and even strategically along the way, then you just whatever you'd be happy to receive for that." type yeah. of work and you just yeah. set the price and people take it or leave it and if they don't yeah, want so, that they can do the group thing yes yeah 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 that actually is almost i think what you've what the light bulb has gone off in my head is um the sort of levels or involvement are not so much kind of what i've done now which is you know option one two and three of different levels of advisory retainer it should just be one retainer is the is the one level of involvement you can have me the you know other than that it's like get some of the the pre-recorded stuff the sort of repeatable stuff as a as a as another level and then i guess uh, a deeper level will be okay well i'll take on a project but we are we're, we're very clear about the i'll deliver blueprints to for you but we're clear on strategy and you already know you know what studio is going to make this you know who your general contractor is and all that stuff right you just need me to deliver Right. And then you just, as, yeah. yeah. So as you're attracting leads, you just like, oh, you fit into this category, you fit in this other category, or yeah. you fit in this third category. That's very helpful as well. I think those three categories are cl- much clearer to me now. Um, cool. I'm just making, you know, frantically making notes here. <laughs> well, there's going to be a recording, <laughs> so you can always okay, cool. listen back. Um, cool. cool. So we should you. wrap. Yeah. Hey, yeah. my pleasure. Thanks for jumping on and like sharing all that. It's like, uh, it's, I know it's not easy. Yeah, I it's I I feel like I got all I got the value. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for listening to me ramble on. Um, I I think you've you're excellent at um, kind of I guess noticing what the those common problems are, despite I mean a completely different industry and all that sort of thing. So it's been really really helpful, and I think you've I walk away clearer now than when I started this conversation. So I'm really happy about that. Fabulous. Thanks. Is there anywhere people could go online if they wanted to follow up with you with any questions or maybe even connections? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn is probably at the moment the, the, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, I also post little slide decks and things of just, um, you know, trying to, again, put out some information about how to, you know, 
how to work creatively, how to understand story, that kind of stuff. That's where I'm most active at the moment. Um, somewhere down the line, I'm going to launch a website and all that, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> sure. um, I'm sort of emerging from a career tunnel where I was in studios just developing feature films. And so it's been a process of kind of uh, rebuilding something like myself out in the you know open air. Right. Rather than being inside of a, a company. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. So um yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um and anyone can and chat to me further there. I'm I'm pretty active there. Great. All right, folks. So you can search for Wayne Thornley on LinkedIn if you want to get in touch. That is gonna do it for this time around on Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark and I hope you join us again the next time. Bye. Hey Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.